News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Happy Sunday, and welcome to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Nice, beautiful Sunday again. Wow, we get the good days for our, our garden show, don't we? It's going to be a beautiful week. Yeah. I see in Saskatoon there's a couple of 27s. 27s. Coming this week. However, that's like 27 for about 20 minutes, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> it's not 27 all day. It's still, it's been it, the evenings. I mean, I've been working in the yard until the sun goes down, basically until it's too dark. And and uh, it, the evenings have been beautiful. Like last, you know, last yesterday was a bit, you know, pushing up against the wind a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was windy, yeah. Yeah, it but, was uh, windy. But anyways, not, not like they're having out in the Maritimes right now. They're doing some... Definitely some tree pruning. Oh, yes. Out there. Yeah, mulching, mulching. not just pruning. Yeah. Mulching. They're yeah. down. They're, they're, down. <laughs> they're getting turned into lumber. Giant trees are laid right over. Yeah, so. it's, it's a pretty sad situation what's going yeah. on there. So I guess we've got nothing to complain about with nope. a little bit no. of a windy day, right? Absolutely. When uh, that far east yep. part of our, our country is uh, looking at some pretty intense stuff going on But right a now. great time. This basically we got our, you know, we're down to the last nitty gritty for uh, pruning maples and birches and pines. So okay. if you need to get them pruned. With the weather way it is, it's a great time to do it. So, and they have time to heal up, and they won't bleed next spring. So, you need to get that done. And also, remember, we're getting close to the end of September. We, you know, also remember September first is was the was the day that uh, the elm ban came off for for elm trees. So you can prune all your elm trees right through to April first, right? Okay. So, so from now until April first, you can do all your pruning. So. If you're going to be doing some pruning yourself or you need to book some guys because uh, they're all, all the arborists are pretty busy during the wintertime, you know, pruning elm trees for all the municipalities and that because that's the only time they can do it. Well, in and, fact, they're, they were downtown pruning the elm trees on my way into work this morning yeah. on Spadina Crescent in Saskatoon. Yeah, that's, that's all elms along there and yeah. the, the crews wrote. So. Well, you got to remember, like even the cities, they try to get to every tree at least once every seven years, right? So you can imagine how many trees there are in your towns and cities and everything else. And so if you try to get around to it every seven years to keep them clean, so you keep, you know, the prospects of the the beetle not being attracted to your tree mm-hmm. by keeping it healthy, keeping dead wood out of it, everything else. Well, you have to, you know, now they say they're trying to get around to them every seven years. So that means that there's a lot of work. No right? kidding. Yeah. So, uh, and the same thing with your own trees. I mean, if you keep them, you keep them healthy and pruned and all, well, there might be this branch that you couldn't grow a garden because there's one branch is hanging right over it well now's the time to to look at that to get it pruned off if you got the elm tree right okay perfect yeah. it's kind of uh, been cool over the evenings we haven't i haven't lost any plants yet everything's been out of the deck it's still going i can't believe it but with that said now is the time if you have any tropicals left outside yep. um succulents you want to be bringing them inside now at least for the night um during the day if it's above 10 degrees you can put them out leave them outside but bring them in at night um or it's a good time do a single spray outside with endol right now and then bring them in right after that single spray and then you want to do three treatments of endol at least Hopefully you started that a um, couple weeks ago already. Yeah, but if you haven't, it's not too late to yeah, start either. Absolutely. And do three treatments um, of Endol. Usually if I'm bringing them inside, I'll put them like in a bathtub or on a tarp or something so I can get a good spray, get the overside and underside of the leaves done. Even just take them out on the driveway and just lay them over on their side mm-hmm. and yeah. hose them down and wash a lot of the bugs off. And mm, okay. Stuff, right? Get yep. some of the dust off from outside and 
gets them fresh and cleaned up. It's a good time to do some pruning on them too. So usually cutting them back about a third or at least if you have any buds or blossoms on them, trimming all those up because those are what's going to hold all the buds oh, on them. I can't do that. And some of your, <laughs> your hibiscus, I'm, I'm thinking can't, about you. I can't. I've got like, I counted, there's 25 or 30 buds on it that's ready just to blow up. I'm not going to cut them all off. And also some of your <laughs> some of your uh, spring bulbs you put out, your dahlias, your your uh, begonias, those kind of things, I mean, they can still stay out there. You're still enjoying them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you can let the uh, light frost basically knock the top down, but make sure that the bulb doesn't freeze, and then you can bring your bulb in. That way, all the energy goes back into the bulb, and then you have better flowers and better start for next year. So those ones can handle maybe like a cold spell of maybe minus one, minus two. Anything colder than that, we should start digging them up if we're getting that cold temperatures, and then bringing them inside. You can lay them on their side on a piece of newspaper, kind of like what you would do to your vegetables that weren't ripe yet, and then let the stalks dry back down into the bulb, and then you can store those for the winter. And last thing is that fall bulbs right they're out they're still out they're okay. still getting all the stories you can get your tulips your daffodils your crocuses and all, all that all that kind of alliums I we mean, just did a youtube video on how to plant we've been getting so many questions on how to plant your your bulbs too so maybe if we have time um this show we can go for a little bit about how to plant bulbs there you go. As well. well we're going to go over to the phone lines right now because they're actually stacking up we've got a couple texts some early birds okay. uh, in on the text line as well tannis in saskatoon marion watrous but first we're going to go to the phones we're going to go to the first call up out to mooseman right now and talk to dave good morning dave Good morning and welcome to fall. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, I got a question for you this morning. It's not for me. It's for a friend of mine, uh, Levi. And oh, he kind of lives off the grid a bit. He doesn't uh, have a radio, and well, he doesn't have a phone, but I think he's got a radio. So his question is about pumpkins. Yes. Okay. He's got quite a little growth of uh, pumpkins there, but we got that killer frost the other night, and they're turning uh, very slowly. They're almost still green, and I just wonder. Well, he wonders if. Uh, yeah, can you speed it up at all now that we're going to have some nice weather? Should you pick them and put them somewhere or just leave them on the vines? Uh, if, if the, as long as the leaves are still good, still green, you can leave them on the vines. And then um, what you should do is, if you can, if you want to speed them up, is in the evening you put a you put a, a frost blanket over them, right? And you could even leave that frost. Some of the, if you get the white one, which lets the light through, you can actually leave it on during the day as well. That'll speed them up huge because if you keep that nighttime temperature warmer, uh, they'll they'll ripen way faster right now. Now, one of the things with the pumpkins is you want to make sure that the frost doesn't hit them. That's really important or else they'll go mushy. So if you think that you can't cover them and uh, and the frost is going to hit them, then I would pick them. But instead of putting them in a dark spot, put them in a place if you have like access to a greenhouse or somewhere you can have them put out like all grouped together and then have them exposed to the sunlight. They will definitely ripen a lot faster than if they're than if they're in the dark. Well, he's down in Sedley, and it's kind of country style where he lives, so I don't know if he's going to get around to that, but he did say the leaves turn black, so he's probably just going to maybe just hope that, uh, you know, they do turn a little bit in the sun, but maybe he'll pick them and put them up by the driveway or something. Yeah, if you put them up the driveway, that way he can throw a sheet over them for the nighttime if he can, you know, and then in the the daytime they're out in the sun, and then they'll ripen way quicker. Excellent. Well, I'm going to try and talk him into that and see if he'll do it just for himself. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> Good luck, hey, Levi. You Thanks, Dave. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Great call there. That's uh, that's funny. Uh, okay, we're going to take take a quick break. Paul and Tanya.
Hang on, guys. We're going to get back to your calls as soon as we get back from this. We're going to be talking about uh, getting plants prepared for winter, watering them in. That's one question from Paul. And hostas. Tanya wants to know more as well. So we'll come back with those questions in a minute. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. All right. We've got lots of stuff to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, possibly taking care of some bulb stuff we talked yeah. about. You know, maybe we'll get into that. We might just have somebody ask us that question. You never know. Uh, we do want to answer some texts here shortly, but we've got lots of calls to get to. one 332 8255 That's where you can join the conversation. We've got Paul waiting patiently, Tom as well, but Tanya has been waiting on the phone the longest right now and she's in saskatoon good morning tanya good morning good morning you want to talk about hostas is that right yes i do we just uh recently about a month ago moved into a new home um in the university area we don't have a very big backyard um, and there's a lovely raised flower bed where the previous owner had planted some beautiful grasses it's gorgeous but there's probably about half a dozen hostas and they're tiny, and they look like they've been just eaten by something. And um, I don't know what to do. Do I just rip them out and replant them? Are those savable? Um, it's also a south-facing backyard. That's the other thing. Yeah, most likely those hostas have been eaten up by the slugs this year. Um, so okay. So they have bigger bites out of them. That's definitely what they have been. Um, the reason why they might be small is... If they're in a raised bed, the the winter kill might be getting them a little bit, so it's setting them back in order to get them started. So if you just it also depends how much they were watered. Yeah, how much they are watered and trees around. You said you're in the university area. No, there's not. There's actually there's no no trees there. So perfect. Do you have an area in your yard where you have a little bit more shade? Uh, in the front yard, yeah, like it's it's not a very it's not a very big yard, um, yeah, because they're kind of a shade liking plant, aren't they? Yeah, they are. So what you could do is it's yeah. not too late to dig them up and move them this fall if you want to, or you can leave them in okay. in the bed for the the winter time and move them in the spring. You might find you have okay. more success with them growing a little bit more in the shade. Like I said, they might be just stressed a little bit too much. Maybe they're not getting enough water in that area, so they're not right. growing fast enough. Um, if you are right. keeping them in that area, depending on how long they've been there. Um, just giving them some more water and fertilizer will definitely yeah. um, keep them growing, and then you can kind of fill that area out and as then, well. And then checking for the slugs next next year. Yeah, next year. Right. Okay. Do I cut them down for the winter? Sorry, I'm not I a would, gardener. I would leave the hostas up for the winter, just because okay. they're a more tender okay. plant, then the snow can kind of catch them. But um, honestly, with the hostas, it, you can do it either in the fall or the or the spring, you, either or. Just okay. wait until the the leaves kind of. If the frost hits them and they lay kind of flat on the ground, and then I cut them back. Okay, perfect. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great day, guys. You're Thanks, you, you too. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going to keep going with the calls because we've got lots of people waiting here. Let's uh, stick in Saskatoon and talk to Paul this morning. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, you guys. How are you today? Very good. good. Do, do any of you have problems with maple bugs? <laughs> oh my goodness, they're just inundated with them. Oh, crazy. I think there's pockets of areas that are full oh, of them. Yeah. yeah, well, I've got lots of maple trees here. So, anyways, I've got two quick questions for you. I have my water barrels are full now. Yep. Now, can I put those on the pine trees or? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Okay, great. I was a little bit worried about uh, keeping them away from the apple trees, though, right? It's uh, too late. For- a little bit too early. I, I like putting mine on the apple trees and that. I'll put them up and, and I'll put them on, you know, around the middle of October, right? Oh, 
and just give them one last watering. Right now, a lot of the trees, I just want to, you know, if, and even your pine trees, if you, if you probe the soil and you find there's adequate moisture there, just let them sit, okay? But we've had some, there's a lot of areas of Saskatchewan that's been pretty dry. So, I yeah. mean, what you want to do then is just, if they're dry, give them a watering right now and then give them one last watering in about two or three weeks from now, a good watering. But if they're, if you probe the soil with a piece of rebar and you find there's adequate moisture, just leave them for another couple of weeks and then take your, your rain barrel water at that point in time because, you know, you'll get it before it really starts to freeze. And then give them one last good soak then. Awesome. Um, I've got raised beds here, and I really haven't done anything to them for a couple of years. Uh, what what are your suggestions to, like, revitalize them? Because the flowers or vegetables? Vegetables. Vegetables. Um, to revitalize them is just uh, using it or, or, like organics, like using a compost, uh, depending on, like, I had that question. In th- this. If you're doing root cops, you really want to watch how, watch much, how compost much compost you're putting in because yeah. you don't want too much in there. But if you're doing leafy crops, adding some fresh compost in every year. Um, and then if you're having trouble with moisture, I'll always add some cocoa core into my, into my garden as yeah. well, too. Um, alfalfa pellets are also a great thing to work into your garden, too, to give it some nice micronutrients. And yeah, especially, especially if you find that you're raised gardens a lot of people have a straight topsoil in them and then they go they go rock hard right so they're working that compost in them and uh working some of that organics in there will make them so they won't get to be so hard next year well i've always put leaves and stuff like organics in there and so it's nice and soft and fluffy except my tomatoes were small this year so i figure the nutrient value is it's going down on them because they are in a bed. Yeah, then just add 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 a, an organic fertilizer that has all the micronutrients in them. Because you got to remember, with tomatoes, you don't need a ton of nitrogen and everything else. You need some, but you yeah. need the calcium, you need the magnesium, you need the boron. Those are the kind of things that are going to give you the taste and give you the healthiness and the and the size of your tomato. And you with a raised bed, just like container gardening, water and fertilizer is yeah. so key. Your your yeah. your planter boxes are going to dry out a lot faster than if they were just in the ground. So just make sure yeah. that you have that kept Consi- up. Consistently, yeah. Consistent water. Well, I, have, I, I have a 50-pound bag of alfalfa pellets, so I'll fill oh, it up. That's perfect. Because also <laughs> they reta- it retains moisture as well, the pellets, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, you guys. Have, have a great weekend. Have a great you weekend. You too, Paul. Thanks a lot. Bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going to keep going with another call here, and then we'll get to the text line after that. Out to Choiceland right now to talk to Tom. Hi there, Tom. Hi there. I've phoned in before. Um, there's these little flies that are flying around in, in our house. They're just tiny. They come in through the like the screens. If you open a window, they even come through there. And people are saying, well, they're fruit flies or whatever. I don't know, but they're just little tiny, and they're flying around all over in the house, and it's not like we got fruit out all over, but they, they're they coming in here, and I'm just wondering what a guy can do to get rid of them little ones. Yeah, you got you got house plants or little plants around your house? Uh, outside. You got nothing inside? No. Okay. Because a lot of times, uh, right this time of the year, the fungus gnats are moving in too, right? And so are they just tiny little black flies, like little, little ones? Oh, tiny, tiny. You can hardly see them. Yeah, the, the fungus gnats are all moving inside. So, But you don't have any plants, so, that, I mean, that's they're probably just hanging around your place, like your sink and those kind of things where there's some moisture. Is that where they're sort of hanging out? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. like the moisture. Yeah, they like the moisture. So if that's a fungus gnat. But so what you can do is you can, if you want to catch them is you, you lay a, a little tray of, of soil. 
like get some uh, potting soil or something like that with peat moss based, right? And yeah. Lay it down and they'll go and land on that. And then what you do is you put a, then you can put a little sticky traps in it, those little yellow sticky traps. And then yeah. you also can also, they'll start laying eggs in there and then you can lay a slice of potato on top of that, that, um, that, that, the soil. Uh-huh. And what happens, the bugs, the worms will come up to the potato and then you, every couple of days you check the bottom of the potato and you'll see there's worms on there and you can scoot, take a spoon and scoop the ones on top of the soil just underneath that potato and then you start again, put another piece. And if you have ho- people that are listening, if you have houseplants, that's a good way to just put a piece of potato on top of your houseplants too and, and with the sticky taps, traps you can get rid of them that way. And just a bowl with some saran wrap on it with stick some holes in there with some apple cider vinegar, they love that <laughs> they as love well too. How about just a, a, a regular fly trap, yep. like a regular yep. sticky fly paper yep. trap? That, that's what the those that little, will catch the adults. That yeah. will catch the adults. Catch but adults. in his case, again, in Tom's case, there's probably he's, there's probably no nope. larvae anywhere, right? Because he's got no plants. But even if you just, you, like I said, if you take a, a little tray of soil and then stick some sticky traps in it, the soil they'll be attracted to that soil right away because they'll go for the moisture. Then they want to lay some eggs somewhere. What you want to make sure they're not doing is then finding an area that is wet, like maybe some drain that doesn't get used very often or something like that. Mm, And then they'll start hatching their eggs in those areas. And then you'll all of a sudden, you'll turn the water on one day and poof, you'll have a bunch of And then I I asked you last week about the hollow potatoes, right? Yep. And you guys were saying about the watering. Yep. Got to be consistent in the moisture. Huge. So I asked my mother about it, and she says she doesn't water potatoes at all. That was probably exactly why it happened this year, because we had a really wet um, early spring, and then it went really dry in the summer. So that inconsistent watering with them is what did it this year. So if we let Mother Nature sometimes take its course, then um, depending on the year, you'll have a different crop of, of potatoes. So you should water them then? or what? You need to water them, um, but you just need to water them consistently. Because she said she's never watered her potatoes, never. Yeah. Yeah, well, then she probably gets a she probably even gets a smaller potato as well, right? Which is fine, uh, but it'll be a consistent potato. So uh, it, it all depends on what area of the province you're living into. They don't yeah, need a lot she, of water, but they do need water. Because she did say that the uh, like the purple potatoes and that they're not hollow. It's just uh, the one kind. I think she said was it the white ones or yeah. I forget what yeah. kind. She said they're the ones that, and the rest aren't hollow. Yeah, some of the other varieties are a little more t- more t- more susceptible to doing those kind of things than other ones. So yeah, just in your wherever you are in your area, uh, you'll just have to do some experimenting and find out which potatoes do work best. Yeah, and, and I guess maybe she should start watering them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Even even a couple times, even a, even if you water them once a month in, during the summertime, that that's a huge one because uh, it'll make big difference um, to, for for the plants. If if you don't have availability of water, if you can somehow get water to them at least once a month, and then that'll sustain them. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. We got to run. Take take care. Have a good weekend. You too. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five is how you join the conversation. We're going to take a quick break. News update for everybody right now. Then we're going to get back to uh, Tannis's text, Marion Watrous, Greg and Regina, who else? Sally and Roster and Bernie's in Saskatoon. So lots of texts coming up. We'll get to that as soon as we get back. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on nine eighty CJME and six fifty CKOM. Looking at a pretty fabulous week ahead. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. And yeah, I mean, I think summer is just, I mean, I know technically it's fall. Yeah, I know. And look at the colors. Look at the colors. It, it's beautiful. I was, look, it, I was just looking at all the colors. We actually took a drive out to uh, our family cabin, which is at Waka Lake yep. uh, yesterday. And man, it was just about the perfect day to go. Yep. Uh, I should say kind of Friday and then Saturday. But um 
<laughs> like the colors are just spectacular yeah. right now. Another week from now, there won't be nearly as many leaves in the trees and the, you know, they'll still be color, but they'll start to see some more of the brown. Right now it's that mix of green, gold, orange, red, well, I think, you know, all I of it. I think this week with the temperature, I think you're going to see a little extended time. You think so? Because we don't get the, the real frost at night, right? The hard, no. hard frost. No, not and all. So, and so I think we're going to see a great fall colors this, this fall because of the, because of the temperature, how long it's going to stay. Okay, cool. Absolutely. I'm excited for that. Yep. Because that's, that is the best part of fall. I love the fall colors. Too many, too many years so have gone by where we've gone from like summer to winter very, very fast. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's just been fine, 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 a week of color and then boom, it's, you know, what we'd call winter. Yeah. So it's nice to see it sort of drag out that way. That's and one of the things that we usually pretty. miss in the garden center is I find that the changeover and getting the fall mums out and changing your gardens, a lot of other climates, they have like that four season container, but um, we're starting to put mums out on pumpkins out on our doorsteps and changing out our fall decor as yeah, well. We too. just yeah. get a little um, a fall display out at our front gate and, uh, and put some bales and some, Pumpkins and some mums. Although, and mums, although we have a bit of a hill that goes down to our house. And yesterday in the wind, all of a sudden, every once in a while, there's a pumpkin come rolling down. Rolling the down. Hill. <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> very good, very good. Okay, let's go to the text line for a second here. This is Tannis, who's in Saskatoon, one of our first texts this morning. Sorry we took us a little while, Tannis, to get to this. She says, I've got a hel- heliopsis for many years. I've got a beautiful, large clump of them. This is the first year they've been infested, and what I mean, and I mean infested, totally infested with red aphids. I sprayed them off numerous times, but they were always back in less than 24 hours. What's the best way to control them? What can I do for next year? Yeah, well, um, Heliopsis is a fall sunflower, which is really popular this year. Yep. Um, one of the things that you can do is when they first grow grow up, um, spray them. Usually you'll start to see the aphids come out sort of first week of June is going to be the worst. So spray them with Endol and then have an integrated pest management. So we'll be watching them every 10 days. Remember, aphids are born pregnant, so you got to kind of be on top of them. Um, the other thing you can do is you can, well, the Heliopsis, when they first come up, you can give them a trim right off the bat. Um, but we... Once they set their buds, you don't necessarily want to trim them or else you're going to lose your flowers for this right. season. So you can trim them right off the bat, but that's that's basically the only yeah. thing that you can you can do. You can also plant some companion plants like maybe some marigolds, some basil, maybe even some pepper plants nearby. I know in greenhouses, pepper aphids love peppers. And so you can plant some of those other plants and then the aphids will be attracted to those other plants so they'll leave the, the heliopsis alone. Mm, okay. Yeah, just knowing the life cycle of, of an aphid, you know, laying eggs in the fall. In the spring, those eggs hatch, and their aphids are pregnant already. They're asexual, and so then, then after that, they don't lay eggs anymore all summer. So they just give birth now to pregnant aphids. So you can imagine the, the generations how quickly they go. So keeping on top of the beginning of the season is huge for the end of the season to be able to keep on top of it. Also, with on all per- plants, with right? perennials, you can cut them down in the fall or the spring. With that one, particularly, you may want to cut it down in the fall and then just clean up the extra. And, and then also, don't forget, the, the, a lot of the garden centers now are getting into things like ladybugs and praying mantis and those kind of things you can always put lead, lead into your yard. And uh, then those are the things. And also putting, Natural predators. Putting, putting a, a, a bird bath of some sort around, in the, especially first thing in the spring, and then you attract and putting some wren houses out, little bird houses, and you attract all those birds. And it's amazing how much those birds eat 
in my last acreage I had, I didn't, I hadn't sprayed there for 10, 12 years because there were so many birds around in this, they're just jumping from branch to branch to branch, eating those, those insects like crazy. So, uh, there's a lot of ways you can do to attract it and they love water. And if you give them a place to, to nest and, and, uh, the, you'll attract them. Okay. All right. Hope that helps you out, uh, Tannis. Uh, we're going to go to the phone lines right now. We'll get back to the text line in a second, but waiting in Saskatoon is Dave. Hi there, Dave. Oh, hi. What's your question for us? Um, I have uh, the garden uh, real problem. Uh, it's just as hard as a rock. And uh, I understand uh, uh, cedar mulch is uh, one way of loosening it up. Uh, are there other... Uh, why cedar? Can you use other mulches? Or? I use cedar because it doesn't break down as quick, right? Oh, okay. But you can use other mulches, absolutely. Um, but uh, I like cedar because it, it, you know, it has a natural preservative in it, so it tends to it tends to stay there a bit more. And also the P, I like the for Saskatchewan, I like the pH of cedar, right? The pH, and you can use pine as well if you can find some pine mulch as well, because the pH is a little bit lower on it. So then it helps lower your pH of your soil, which also makes your plants do better as well. Because a lot of our soils are more in the alkaline type of soils, right? Yeah, I've got a lot of. Uh I think it's clay in, in, yeah. in no. our yard. So. And, and also using some gypsum. You know, if you want to use a mixture of both of them, that, that'll that help break it up lots. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, the other thing, I have a uh, honey crisp uh, apple tree. Yes. And it's getting to the point that it's starting They've in the last few weeks. Uh, I'm getting some real color to them. Uh, yep. What's my best bet as far as uh, storing them for at least part of the... Well, Honeycrisp, you can store them in the fridge. They'll store for like two months in the fridge. So if you have a crisper or something like that in the fridge, you can store them there. And if that somewhere cool, and they'll they'll keep for a long time. Honestly, they will. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got a cool room in the basement. So. Yeah. Otherwise, them, if you're stacking them, trying to make it so you can stack them so they're not touching each other, they'll, they'll last a lot longer yeah. that way too. Oh, okay. Or Dave, you can cut them up and uh, make them into a pie and, and <laughs> yeah. drop one off here for us. <laughs> we would love that. <laughs> You've never seen my cooking skills. <laughs> I guess we should have asked about that first. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Okay, bye. 1-877-332-8255. Okay, let's go to the text line. This is you know, from... I, I love apple crisps. Too, you know. Apple crisp, so, you know, apple crisp. Apple you, crisp or apple if pie. You can't make a pie. You can make apple crisp a little easier. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, the apple Oof. crisp you're guaranteed to have the perfect crust every time, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> there are families out there that have like a secret recipe for for pie pie crusts, though. Yeah, you I know? know, I think we should have like a pie making competition when you're at. The yeah. You should. <laughs> that would be, be great so as a fall thing. Yeah. yeah. Bring your, you know, and the, and the three of us can be the judges. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday morning, Garden Talk is live on location. Plus, Dutch Growers sells clothing, so when we need new pants after that, we're set. We're set. Okay. I'll have to bring in a men's line for you, Jen. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Let's talk to, uh, not talk, but we'll, we'll talk with Mary's text here. She's from Watrous. I have a huge hydrangea that I'd like to split some off to give it away. I don't know if you can do yeah. that. What's the best way to split it off? Can you split a hydrangea? Hydrangeas, sometimes you can split them off, but it's hydrangeas don't split that Raleigh. They root by taking cuttings. Okay. Yeah. So uh, even taking a slip in the spring and sticking into water and new growth or, or putting it into a little Jiffy 7 and some rooting hormone. Um, so that's how they get started is by cuttings that way. Uh, by splitting them, you sometimes can split a, a branch off. You can get some root with it. Uh, but uh, the, it, 
it, the stem is made so that you're not really you're gonna you're, you're actually when you rip it apart you'll actually you'll rip actually the main part of the tree apart. The, it's like going down to a trunk almost. Yes. Right. So it doesn't really work that well. Uh, on the hydrangeas. So. If you're to move them, your best time to move them is when they're still dormant yeah. in the early spring, though. Things right. like mock orange and all the, they have different type of root system and they, they're easier to make ones off the side, uh, but uh, hydrangeas are a little tougher that way. So a cutting, whether it be a softwood cutting or taking a cutting and putting it into a, a, a jar of water or something like that and get into root is probably the best way to do it. Or visit your garden center, and if you want to give one away, pick up a plant for your friend and drop it off. Yeah, hydrangeas aren't that expensive. No. Usually about 30 to $40, yeah. you can get a beautiful plant. Exactly. And, and there's so many new varieties out there. I mean, I picked some beautiful ones just yesterday. They're just like almost like a like a cone shape and almost like a, a pinky red, and it was quite something. Cool. Yep. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get to Greg's text, as well as Sally and Roster and Bernie in Saskatoon. Nikki is near East End. We'll get to those as soon as we get back. one 877-332-8255. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Zooming towards the end of the first hour of our Garden Talk show today. Can't believe it's going that by this fast. Beautiful Sunday, and thanks for joining us here in Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke, and we've got lots of texts to get to. We'll get to those as quick as we can, but the calls always get to go first, so we've got a couple people waiting. Ready to go, guys? Here we go. All right. Doreen will be up on the sec, or Doreen, pardon me, but Ken is in Wawoda right now and wants to talk about ash trees. Hi there, Ken. Hi. What's your question for us? Yeah. You're right, uh, Jay. It's the fastest two hours on radio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's by quick. I spoke with you, Rick, in the summertime after that uh, bad storm we had here Mm -hmm. in June that broke off a tree. Yep. And uh, the uh, I thought it was a maple tree, but I don't think it is. It's it's maybe an ash. I'm not quite sure what it could be. What it is, but if it's an ash, it it sprouted all those uh, new branches just coming out like sick like hair on a dog yep and i'm wondering if it's an ash tree when would be the best time to prune off those new branches to, oh, you could, i want to prune and, and get one or two good leaders going up yep. now yeah you can do that anytime now because the ash are starting to turn color now right the leaves are starting to turn color on them boy i can hardly hear you rick yeah can you hear that better how's that the, the ashes what you want to do with the ashes you can prune them anytime now it wouldn't be a problem. So if you want to choose which one you want, you can prune it, not a problem. Okay. Okay? Yeah. All right. That's good then. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thanks, Ken. you guys again. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye now. one 8255 Okay. We've got uh, Wendy coming up in a second here, but we're going to go to Regina right now. And is it Doran? Is that correct? Right. Okay. Hi there. How are you? I'm pretty good. And yourself? Good. You want to talk about coleus, right? Yes, I do. Okay, what's the question? Uh, I have some coleus plants, and uh, I was pinching off the flower, and I think I left, I kept doing it too long, and now uh, my flowers are are big on them, but they're, some of them are still blooming and, and so on, and I think I'm going to be too late. I'm trying to get the seeds for next year. Yeah, so with the seeds, you can leave them on the Pardon? plant. With the seeds, you can leave them on the plant until they've dried up a little bit, um, and then you can kind of harvest. Some people will stick a bag over the top of them, but a lot of the coleus plants, um, they are actually done by rooted cuttings, and so that's the best way. So taking the plant inside the house and taking a cutting off of them and sticking it in water and rooting them, that is the best way to um, produce a new plant. Um, because if you had a hybrid coleus plant that you maybe bought in a basket stuffer section um, of 
a garden center, that is done with a cutting, not with a seed. So some of those plants are going to be sterile and you're not going to get any anything out of the seed. Um, if you bought them in maybe like um, a four pack or um, a I little... Bought- I bought these. No, I bought the package. I, I did the seeds. Oh, myself. you did them from the seeds yourself. Yeah, okay, I've then got you'll be fine. is here like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> amazing. Then you can collect the seed off them definitely um, if you want to do them that way. So I would just even around the flower, you can even just put a little mesh bag around them and collect and, them that way. And too. what you can do in, in the if you want them to ripen quick quicker to, to flower and everything else is then in the evening just cover them up in the evening because the evenings are going down below five degrees. Right. And take that cover off during the day because even this week. We're going to have pretty warm weather, right? Right. And so that'll help. It'll just help them to mature quicker. Okay. And what about uh, pollinization on them? I've never ever seen a bee a bee near them. Yeah. And so what you, can uh, you do, know they're at my other plants, but I've never seen them go to my coleus. Yeah. So what you can do then, if you want, you can with any flowering plant that that you're not sure about, you can be the bee. So you can take a little cue, some Q-tips, and go from plant to plant, flower to flower. And cross pollinate, okay. and and that'll help a lot too. But just remember that only helps with hybridizing them with coleus. They don't really get any fruit or anything like that on them, so they're just grown or oh, mostly ornamental right. for ornamental. the leaves. Yeah. So I don't have to do that then. No, you don't. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. So it's just to get them so that they're dry, um, yep. and that's it. Will they? Uh, if I bring some in the house, will that? Uh, you yep. can definitely bring time. them into Absolutely. the house. Some people will even keep coleus as a coleus as a house plant too. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But the seeds will they continue? Will they die in the? You know. Yep, absolutely. Because okay. as long as you give them bright, as long as you give them bright light. Okay. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Doreen. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going to squeeze one more call in. We got a couple minutes here, about three minutes to go. Wendy's in Saskatoon. Hi, Wendy. Good morning. Morning. Your questions about poplar trees, is that correct? Yeah, I've got um, Swedish aspen trees against, you know, against the fence in the backyard. Yep. Yep. We had to take four of them down this year because the leaves have gone. They've yep. just disappeared, like so yep. they're dying. Yes. And the remaining th- three, there's seven there. The remaining three are fairly getting fairly sparse as well. And driving around the city, I'm seeing, I'm noticing that there's so many other yep. like poplars and that kind of tall um, leaf, fast-growing trees. And, and, They're all dying. And I thought ours were old. Yeah, but uh, it's the problem is the birch is is a poplar bore. It's an insect that drills into the trunk of the tree. Okay. And then, uh, and then also what happens is then it then it basically stops the 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 moist the sap from going to the top of the tree, and the top of the tree dies. Okay? okay, and so the only way you keep, and you see a lot of the trees, first of all, those aspens, the leaves are turned, they'll be chlorotic, so they'll be like a yellowy green color, you know, so so what what's important about to save an, an, uh, an aspen especially is to basically keep it healthy, so get water and fertilizing every year, adding nutrients to the soil, okay, because those are big trees and they, they take a lot of nutrients uh, right. to keep them growing that way, and if you keep them healthy, Boars will choose a non-healthy tree before they'll choose a healthy tree every time. Okay, so okay. the boar the boar is attracted by stressed trees. So if you don't keep your tree healthy, then the boars will be attracted to them. 
Got it. So okay. there is no possibility of the of these coming back to nope. the tree. No, okay. you you got the bore in them, and they'll be they're basically they'll be done. Now, what you may want to do is you may want to think about putting in something a tree called a parkland pillar birch. They're not as susceptible to that, and it's, they're a narrow narrow tree as well. And fairly are they fast, fast growing? growing. Yes, fast growing as yep. well. Okay, they are. Hey, thank you so much. Okay, thanks, thanks Wendy. Thanks a lot. Have yeah. a great day. You okay, too. Bye bye. All right. That's the number you can call is one 332 8255 That's where you can call and you can text us. We're going to take a quick break. We've got a news update coming up for everybody right away. But we're going to get to, let's see, Greg's text coming up. We've got uh, Sally and Roster and Bernie in Saskatoon. We're going to get to these as quick as we can. Lots coming up your way. Right now, a news update for everybody. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, I think it's texting time here in Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. We've got tons of texts that are rolled in at one 332 8255 So here we go. Uh, we've got Greg and Regina. This is the first text we've got. Our new sod in the front yard has got some dead yellow spots from our dog, Nixon. What can we do to get rid of them and get it green again? Sod in the front yard with a few yellow spots. So you can add some fall fertilizer on it. It may yep. be yellow just because maybe you didn't get enough water during those hot spells. So making sure that you're watering it enough yep. is really important. Um, and then you can also, um, you can just fertilize. You can yep. overseed those areas too in the fall, which really helps. We're which, getting some warm weather this week. So right now would be a good you get, time you to gotta do it. you got to do it this weekend if you can overseed, basically. Otherwise, you wait until the middle of October and then you put your seed down there. Then it won't. Uh, they won't. Uh, what I was going to say. It won't, germinate. It won't germinate, and then germinate first thing in the spring. Now he has a sodded lawn. So if he just seeds that one little patch, is it going to look funny, or should nope. he overseed no, the whole thing? If he uses a Canada Number One mix, it'll blend together. You won't even notice it. Okay, it'll so look Canada different. Number it'll, One. It'll look different when it first comes up because the young blades look different mm-hmm. color, but then as it matures within a few weeks, you'll never notice. And if with those yellow patches, raking it really well, getting some of that thatch out of there. If you if it's really bad, you can the, add the, some top dress on there The biggest one too. is if it's a new sod, is just put the fall fertilizer on. Yeah, that'll, that'll that'll help it a lot. Okay. Mm, yeah. Okay. All right. There you go. Uh, let's go to the next text. This is from Sally, who's in Rostern. Is it too late to plant grass? This is the same kind of question. Backyard lawn facing east. What kind of do you what What do you recommend? I guess. Well, if you're gonna put turf down. You can do it right up until the ground freezes. Right. And if you're gonna seed, like I said. This weekend, you, this be still okay, uh, but after that, then you wait until the middle of October, and then it comes up in the spring, or just wait till spring. What we one. were saying is, if you have irrigation, you can still do it. Yep. If you don't have irrigation, you're doing a larger uh, area. You'll want to wait till I'm, later. I'm, next couple of days, I'm going to be seeding as well. So, and there is a type of grass. Well, there's all kinds of places you can get grass. Yep. There also is uh, one of our companies that we, we like to talk yep. about is er, uh, yep. is is Series Industries and the. Um, uh, the fertilizer. What's the, the fertilizer? It's, what, it's what's it called? <laughs> groundkeeper. Groundkeeper. groundkeeper Pardon me. Groundkeeper also makes yep. grass seed now too, yep. which is specific correct. for for yep. our our area. There's groundkeeper for our area. There's if you got if you got dry land areas, which your you know acreages and farms and all that stuff or sports fields, then the Early's Farm and Garden Center in Saskatoon has all they they blend their own blends specifically for mm-hmm. they they supply most of the golf courses and parks in Saskatchewan. They specialize in seed. They specialize in blending. Grass seeds, right? 
Okay. So, so if we're doing that kind of thing, if you're just looking for a Canada number one mix, you can pick that up anywhere. Okay, perfect. There you go, Sally. Uh, let's go to the next text. Bernie in Saskatoon at one 332 8255 I have an amaryllis that has been outside all summer. Nice, long, green leaves right now. How do I prep it to bloom for Christmas? Okay, so you want to bring it indoors right away. Again, that's a tropical plant, so you don't want the frost to hit it. Um, and then you can... Um, you can Give it a cold spell if you want to. Um, you'll probably need to move it into like a cold storage area or make it go dormant a little bit. And it needs to stay dormant for six to eight weeks. Or even bring it in. If it's in a pot, bring it in for nighttime and put it out during the day. Yeah. That'll help prepare it as well for, for blooming. It needs to get those colder, colder evenings yep. on it. Um, and then you will want to put it into cold storage for about six to eight weeks and then bring it out and it will start blooming within three to four weeks after that. Okay. And if it's in a pot, if just what you can do at the end of that six to eight weeks of in a cooler spot, then what you can do is pull it out of the pot mm-hmm. and plant it back in the pot, the same pot again, or put it in another size. If, if it's a bigger bulb, put in a little bit bigger pot, but not very much bigger. They like to be in a smaller pot. And, uh, and then that will also trigger it, just that transplanting it. Even if it goes back in the same pot again, yep. we'll trigger it to start putting this bloom up again. Now, okay. if you're having trouble with going dormant, you can also do what um, we do with the cannas and stuff, where you take them out of the pot, sort of lay them out and let it die back down into the bulb first, and then put it into a dormancy, cut the leaves off after they've sort of died back into the bulb, and then put it into a cold storage. Make sure if you're putting them into a crisper of a fridge, you don't have them near any fruits and vegetables. No fruits though. or vegetables. Mm, okay. okay, perfect. Sheridan Saskatoon uh, asks, how much should you be watering a on this time of year, should I, and then she was asking, "How do I dig up my canna lilies, or wait till they have blooms? You know, they have blooms, or wait till they're they're still green. Do I wait or not? Right? We just talked about that. But uh, so watering the grass, you should be everything. Everything you should be slowing down. It's not watering the same amount as you did uh, in the summertime. Even though we're going to get twenty seven degrees this week, mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, it's only for a couple hours, right? It's going to be really warm. Yeah, exactly. And so the, the the sun is not quite as intense. So you're still slowing down the watering, which will get the plant ready, and that's your shrubs, trees, everything. And then give it one last good watering when you're before you're going to blow your sprinklers out. Mm, right. Okay. And with your cannas, you can keep them outside until those temperatures or the hard frost hits them, and then you can dig them up and let them dry back into yeah. the bulb and store them. Don't for the winter. let the bulb freeze. The top can freeze, but don't let the bulb freeze. Yeah. This is the same question. Like I think we're going to get a dozen times today because Debbie is the next text from Regina. Advice on wintering canna lilies. Well, we just well the cannas <laughs> are so beautiful, and so everybody has them in their yard, and they just want want them to survive the next year because every year you have candidates, they get bigger and bigger. bigger so bigger. those plants and those blooms are going to get bigger every year. So it's really important to save them. Right. Uh, okay. This is from Wendy in Saskatoon. Do you have any idea what happened to the Swedish aspens and towering poplars this year? And I think, uh, I think Wendy may have given us a call already to talk about this. This is an earlier text. Uh, but basically there's yeah. a lot of them have, have got well, the bore. What happened is that in the last bunch of years we had, a, we had a drought, right? And we have the drought in those those aspens. They need lots of water, water, and they need a lot of water, and they need nutrients. And people think when the tree's that big, they can take care of themselves. Well, not really, because we take all the nutrients away when we clean up our yards every year, right? Nature falls down. You ever walk in a bluff in, in a bush in, in the country? The whole ground is covered with leaf litter, Yeah, right? sure, exactly. Well, we clean all that up every year, so we take away all the nutrients. So we still have to add nutrients, keep them healthy, and uh, that's the number one key with, with the trees. And in the drought the last bunch of years, 
um, has made the trees stress. I mean, look at even the spruce trees, how many acorns they got on this year. Yeah. They're all stressed. <laughs> Tons. They're stressed like crazy. So, I mean, and that just attracts the boar and makes it go even more crazy. Even the boar just goes, this is perfect conditions for them. Right, right. Okay. Uh, this is from Pat, and I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong, but I'll give it a shot. She said, good morning. I'd love to save my three-inch, three-inch, three-foot, uh, diplodenia. What is that? A diplodenia, you probably have known it as a mandevilla vine. Okay. Okay, and so it's a tropical flowering plant. Again, like your tropicals, you'll want to bring them indoors when the nighttime temperature is hitting around 10 degrees. So you should have brought them in now. You'll want to cut them back, though, because they are a vining plant. They get quite tall, and aphids and spider might love them. So she says they're, they, that her windows in her house faced east in Saskatoon. So how, how to winter it? Okay, so she can put it in the east-facing window. It's going to go dormant a little bit, maybe drop a few leaves. So you want to cut it back to about a third spray it with some endol and you'll be wanting to check that every about 10 make, days make sure all the flowers are taken off yeah and, yep. and and chop it right back down and then just decrease your watering a little bit when you're indoors because it's not going to be getting as much sunlight and then um in fertilize it maybe once a month and just keep it growing and it will look beautiful next yep. year put some put it outside for next spring or if you want to get it growing even more then um put some grow lights on it you know starting you know next march or something like that and then mm-hmm. get it growing quick to be able to put outside in the long weekend in May. Okay, this is the last text, and then we'll take a quick break. Sue is in Silver Park. I did cut down and harvest my oregano this summer. Now it's grown back and it's flowering again. To winter it, should I cut it back down or just leave it? I do cover it with a dense uh, leaf mulch for the winter for protection. So it's back. Do you, what do you do now with it? That's awesome. Most people can't get oregano to survive the winter outdoors. They have to bring it inside. So that's nice. She must have, must have a nice microclimate. It's very important that she does mulch it well for the winter yeah. then in that area. So she's doing that, but it's grown up. So do we yeah. cut it down yes, now? Yes. I would cut it cut down, down to maybe af- after it's, after the frost has hit it and made it go sort of a brownie color, right? Yeah. Okay. You can cut it yeah. down. Then you cut it down. It, it, it would be kind of like your perennial. It's not a shrub. Um, so it'd be like your perennial. So you can cut it down and they'll grow back from the base every year so you can either do that in the fall or the spring but because i want as much leaves and everything to stay intact with the plant i'd probably leave as many branches up as possible okay all right we're gonna take a quick break less in corning a call about calla lilies cheryl who's in rosetown wants to talk about some peat moss uh, questions so we'll get back to that right after this and then of course more texts i'm jay thomas with jill and rick van divendyke this is garden talk on 650 ckom and 980 cjme Another beautiful day, beautiful weekend, uh, weekend and week ahead. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. We've got text and, to get to. And, oh, and what? And Bo. And Bo. Well, you can't, you can't hear him, but <laughs> Jill's I have the youngest. My, I have my seven year old here with me in the, in the studio today. So he's, he's helping us out with the gardening questions in the background. <laughs> Let's not lie. He's on his iPad right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Researching gardening questions. Oh, sure. Questions. Yes. Yes. <laughs> sure. Okay. We're, we've got text to get to in a second. We'll do that coming up, but we're going to go out right now to Corning and talk to Les, who's waiting on the phone. Hi there, Les. Good morning and a wonderful morning it is for a fall morning. Yeah, awesome. isn't it? Beautiful. Isn't it? And uh, I hope the farmers can get back out after a little sprinkle of rain and get back harvesting. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, Calla Lily, I called you back in May about this. Now, I can't remember quite if you said it once it dies off in the fall, 
whether it goes through the dormancy and it comes back or that plant is officially done. The callas are a bulb that you have to bring indoors for the winter. So you bring them inside, put them through a dormant stage indoors, and then you can plant them back up in February and then have them blooming again for and next spring. Once the top dies down and gets a bit of frost, you can actually bring just the bulb in. So you don't have to, you can just store the bulbs. You don't have to grow a plant or nothing in the house. You can just store them in a cool place and then fire them back up again in, in March if you want to get them ready for the next year. Oh, that's a calla lily, yep. right? Yes. Calla or canna, both the same way. Yep, same story. Okay. All right. Well, that's perfect. And I thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Take care, Les. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. 1-877-332-8255. Going to Rosetown right now to talk to Cheryl. Hi there, Cheryl. Good morning. Good morning. You're on to talk about peat moss. Is that correct? I do. Um, I want to know if something new called cocoa cork is a replacement for peat moss, and is it uh, uh, fire retardant? Uh, no, no. Both both of them. I've had I've instances in 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 cases where where I've had we put peat moss. Even one time we put peat moss in front of a in, as a mulch ground mulch in front of a condo complex, and but yeah. we've had a cha- we had to actually take it all out because people were throwing their cigarette butts out into the into the garden beds as they walked into the buildings, and we had a little fire starting in the Oh, in the I beds. can imagine. So, uh, so, but cocoa fire would be the same way. It would be, it'd be flammable if you just left it as a mulch. But if you work it into the soil, it's not going yep. to be bad. One thing okay. is it does absorb a lot of moisture, so yeah. it would have to be quite dry in order yeah. for it to be flammable. Um, but uh, it, it comes in a nice solid brick form, and it is a great substitute for, um, and a, a lot more sustainable substitute for, okay. um, for peat moss. Good. That's what I'd like to use. Okay, yeah, okay. it works. It works really well. It's become very, very popular now. All right, thank you so much. You're Thanks, welcome. Cheryl. Take care. You bet. Have a great day. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We should clarify what cocoa core actually is for somebody who said, you know, oh. Wow, Cheryl says it's a new product. What is it exactly? Cocoa core is a product that's made out of the husk from a coconut, and it uh, is kind of compacted and com- or cocoa beans, and right? Cocoa so. beans and and compressed together, and it's sort of in a compact, and you add water to it, and it expands, and you can use it to hold moisture in your garden. So when you pick up a coconut at the grocery store, it's sort of that hairy, fuzzy stuff on the outside of a coconut, right? Yep. That or other parts or, or of the plant. The, or the cocoa beans, right? Or the cocoa beans, the right? cocoa beans, they use that a lot from that as well because most of it comes from co- more cocoa beans than, than coconuts, I believe. Okay. And uh, But one thing you know, they're starting to look at them for is because in a lot of places in Europe, they're starting to look at banning uh, using of peat moss. Well, peat moss has to be harvested out of specific places, right? Well, it's taken out of... Out of uh, Peat bogs, right? Peat bogs, and yes. so they're saying that, of course, with the harvesting peat bogs, you're 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 extracting the the carbon capture that's in those those peat moss. So that's why they're start, starting to look at in Europe. They're looking at banning it, right? Well, and it takes a long time for that peat bog to recover, right? It's a natural habitat yeah. for a lot of other animals and plants yeah. and things too. Yeah. So uh, whereas you know from the cocoa plant is it's, it's it's harvested and grown and and uh, so it's more you know more sustainable sustainable more yeah that's right renewable I renewable guess. yeah easy easy so, to come by right yeah. so is it coconut or is it cocoa. It's we're, the we're, coconut husk. Is it the coconut it, husk? Yeah, so it's, it's not a the, it's not a coke. It's okay. So we're just trying to figure yeah, that out. So it's the husk that is um, kind of ground up. It's all the leftovers that leftovers. they that they use and they kind of put it all together and that's what, what you get 
the coca core. So it's a really sustainable way of using those extras. Yeah. yeah. In when farming, when you, when you feel it, it does feel like that fuzzy outside of a coconut. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's that, that kind of brown, hairy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Mix it in and away you go. Okay. So let's go back to the text line. one 332 8255 This is from Will, who's or William in Regina. Uh, how can you tell when watermelons are ready to eat? Well, when watermelons are ready to eat, when I'm picking my watermelon out of the bin in the grocery store, I will look for a nice green, but then it has a little bit of a patch of yellow, yellow on it. Yep. And that's when you know that it's ready and it's nice and sweet inside. There is, I even found, I'm trying to find it on my cam, on my phone right now, but I even found a guide to picking watermelons and it was like a little, a little picture. So pic- you know when pictogram. you used to like see grandma knocking on the watermelon? Yeah. That actually doesn't really do much. No. Um, it, <laughs> it's more looking at like the overall sh- um, s- size of the watermelon. So if it's really tiny and you know you planted a bigger watermelon, that would be a sign. Um, but if it's green, but then it has a little bit of yellow on it, that's what you're looking that's for. That's what you're looking for. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's sure, the same it, guide for yep. picking for a watermelon. Yep in your garden that you've grown. Exactly. Right? You gotta remember watermelons right now are putting all their size on right now. So covering them at nighttime is huge for making a, I had a friend of mine that grew 17 pound watermelons and that's because he put the crop cover on in, in starting at the end of August. Yep. And he put them on every night and then took it off during the daytime and he got 17 pound watermelon. Holy. And sometimes if you have a smaller patch, you can even throw a blanket on to keep it even warmer than, a, than even a crop yep. cover. So it still needs light during the day, so you had to take it off or put using a you know a crop cover less light through. But yep. I mean, um, yeah, it's important. Uh, we've got a text that's a very interesting one. We haven't very you know gotten texts about this very often. Uh, looks like Judy's got a couple of texts. She says, "When's when is the best time to prune a cherry tree?" Cherry trees, I like pruning them when they're dormant. Okay. So as soon as the leaves turn color or start dropping, you can prune them in the fall, or you can prune them in March or the first week of April. And then the other question is, I have a huge tobacco plant. The top is f- what looks like full of lice, little tiny bugs. So that's most likely she's got aphids in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, tobacco plant also, Nicotiana is the name of the plant. So beautiful flowering annual. Um, they aren't a plant that's going to survive the winter. So um, just uh, you can enjoy them for as long as you can and then pull them out and start over again next year. Okay. Unless she has a real tobacco plant that she has inside the house. So. Right. But the same thing, it would be aphids. It would be aphids. You can cut that plant down if it's an indoor house plant. And then you also could also use endol on it as well, if he has a real tobacco plant. Uh, Marion Watrous had texted us earlier about a hydrangea, but she has another question about hydrangea. Can I prune it down to reduce its size? Yes. And and you you know, I don't have to prune it right now because all the flower heads are on it, right? I only think, only hydrangeas, I like to only take, uh, once the flowers are done, okay, they're all frozen, I'll cut the flower heads off only. Yes. Okay, just so that they don't get the snow on them and weight down. Some of the flowers are pretty big, okay? I don't do any other trimming until spring because I want those branches to catch as much snow as possible to give them much protection as possible. Yes. Then what I will, as soon as the snow disappears in April, then I go and trim it back at least a third to a half. Right, okay. And then I'll get a lot more blooms the next year. Okay, perfect. So yes, the answer is yes, but like, like Rick said... Yep. Springtime. I think that's really important what you said about trimming them a little bit in the fall because yeah. mine I didn't in the front and the snow fall on them and I had so many broken branches in the yeah. spring. And that's why I take the so heavy. That's why I take the heads off for mm-hmm. and it just makes a huge difference so it doesn't uh, 
doesn't knock them over. Good idea. I got to do that this year. Yeah. Okay. Willa is in Regina. I purchased Heart of the Jungle this spring. What is Heart of the Jungle? Thought it was something else, but I'm uh, pleased with the outcome of this strange plant. There are tentacle-like things coming out of the soil. <laughs> New growth? Question mark. I have to save it for next year, but not sure how to winter it. So we're just digging into that right now because that's a kind of an unusual plant, right? So it's a type of colocasia. So it's a big like elephant ear okay. um, called heart of the jungle. And so it is grown as a bulb. Um, you can bring them indoors and enjoy them as a house plant. But just like your canna lilies, you'll want to follow the same process. Let it die back down into the bulb and then save the bulb for the winter. Yep. Okay. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We've got a text coming up from Jane in Humboldt, Judy, who's in Echo Lake, uh, Wendy in White City, Kathy in Duck Lake, David in Indian Head, and a few more after that yet. So stick around. We're going to get all those answers for you right away. You can join the conversation at one 332 8255 I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, the fall colors are here. It's a beautiful afternoon. Well, I guess it's not quite afternoon yet. Morning and good morning to you. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. We've got lots of text to get to to keep going with. Uh, you can join the conversation at one 332 8255 Okay, this one is from Jane in Humboldt. Is it too late to move perennial flower plants right now? No, it's not. Um, I do prefer moving them when they are dormant, um, so either late fall or early spring, and preferably with our harsh winters because we don't know what our snowfall is like. I would do it early spring. Yep. Um, but if um, you are going to move them, you need to have mulch them heavy for the first this first winter. And try and take as big of a root ball as possible. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, Judy is in Echo Lake. Good morning. We've got two huge bleeding hearts that were great this year in our front garden bed. How should we prepare them for the winter? Trimming them back or just leave them? Again, this is Echo Lake. Yeah, what I'd probably do is trim them back just a little bit, um, but leave most of the branches up because you want the snowfall to catch on them. And then I would trim down my bleeding hearts to the ground in the what, early spring. Yeah, or uh, or if you're going to trim them down in the fall, wait till the, the frost hits them and knocks them down really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this is from Wendy, who's in White City. The forsythia we have has gotten too big. What's the best way to prune it and when? Okay, when it's dormant in the fall. Yep. So basically you're going to be doing toward the end of October, or you can do it in the first thing in the spring as soon as the snow disappears. But the problem with, you got to remember with forsythia, it puts its blooms on basically the first thing. As soon as the snow disappears, they start to flower almost. So before the leaves come on. Right. So they set their buds in the fall. So you do a major pruning or any type of pruning on them. What will happen is that you'll cut all the blooms off. So you will miss If you do a major pruning, you're going to miss one year, most of the blooms, okay? And if you do a major, major pruning, it take about two years to get the blooms back. So blooming them after they bloomed in the spring is the best. So pruning them after they after they finish blooming for light pruning, but it sounds like hers is out of control. Yeah. So she wants to do a major pruning, so you're going to be missing the flowers for a couple of years. Right. Right. Okay. Same thing if you do a lilac, right? The same yeah. idea, right? Same lilac. Same. Yeah. Thing. Okay. okay. Uh, this is from Kim, who's in Saskatoon. I have a question about fall overseeding. You talked about how you can still do that now. If I spree- spread the seed, do I water it now as well? So yes. this is kind of where yes. in that in that zone yeah. though, right? In the zone. If you got to get to do it right away. Like, because we still have some warm weather, they still germinate. Because it still takes five days or so, seven days to germinate. Uh, but otherwise, we're getting very close to the time where I would wait to the middle of October and then put it over seed, and then it'll come up first thing in the spring. The thing I worry about, if you get seed to germinate now and you get grass, that if it's really new, tender grass, then yeah. we get a whole bunch of hard frost, but, which but, we don't know we yeah. could. Will that just knock it down and, and kind of ruin the progress anyways? It could. A lot of the grass, depending on how... Like I said, we got, we could have a great fall yet. 
I mean, so, I mean, most likely you might lose a little bit of your grass, but if, if you get a good take right now with this warm 27 degrees coming up this week, if you get it this weekend, if it's not going to be this weekend, then I'd suggest wait until the middle of October. And they're right. projecting for lots of snow this year. so yeah. Well, that's good. As long as it comes before the really cool temperatures True. come. Yep. There's True. like so many ifs with this is like if, is, if, is if. doing this. So If only we had a crystal ball. Exactly. So I almost, I don't know, I guess not that I'm some expert like you guys are, but I almost feel like you're better off to just not put it down yet. Wait till that middle of October. If you're, you're overseeding into other grass. Right. If you're overseeding other grass. But if you're starting grass, a whole fresh yeah. new lawn on oh, soil. I, I would wait. You'd wait, right? So if you're overseeding on a lawn that's got grass already, you want to kind of thicken it up. Yeah, you can do that now. If you've just got, you're trying to start a new lawn, you're probably not going to have success, right? You'll get it to come up. It'll be all tender and nice and, and green. And then Something will happen. We'll get hard frost. We'll get, you know, no snow covering an area. You'll just undo See, all the work I, you look, did. I'm just looking at a long-term forecast right now. And right to October the 4th, it's still 16 degrees. Right. So, That's amazing. That is amazing. You know, Good. I'm going, okay, now I go to October the 9th, it's still 12 degrees. You know, 6 at 7 at night. Right. So, I right. mean, right. Right. we still got a couple of weeks where it's still going to be pretty nice. Okay, yep. all right. As long as you can keep it irrigated. And that's yep. the key, right? That's yep. the key for, for most Kim. people are going to start blowing the sprinklers out pretty quick here, right? Yeah, well, yeah that's that's true, right? too. So. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit when we yep. get through the rest of the yep. text. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, uh, sorry, Kathy and Duck Lake, we got half of your text. If you want to resend the rest of it, we can we can help you out with that. Uh, David, who's an Indian head of us, says, I've got a five-year-old cherry tree. It grew like crazy this year. Yep. New branches are like three feet long. I'm worried that an early snow will break it to pieces. Can yep. I prune it now before it snows, or do I have to wait till next spring? No, just wait a little bit longer until the leaves turn color at yep. least. Then you can prune them. Okay. Okay. So just leaves turn color, then yep. you can trim it back. Yep. Okay, perfect. Not a problem. Uh, this, uh, this is from Crystal in Sarah's, sorry, I think that's the right way to say that name. But anyways, my son-in-law just laid turf this weekend. How often should I water it? Yep. Uh, Rick said to start, you know, cutting back on lawn yep. watering, but if it's a new sod like that, keep what do it, we do? Keep it moist. I want it to root. Okay. So keep it moist and uh, you don't have to water it as much as you would in the summertime because it's not going to dry out as quickly, but keep it moist right up until the time when you shut your sprinklers down for the winter. Right. Okay. okay, and then after that, then there's not much you can do, right? Just, yeah. So just keep watering it, basically. Keep watering. Keep watering yep. it until you got to shut the smokers yep. off, and then we're good to go. Yep. Uh, Colleen, who is in Moose Jaw, says, I've got two tiny asparagus plants that popped up in my garden this fall. What can I do to assure they survive the winter? Yeah. Asparagus are pretty tough as nails, so you can just sort of leave them there. Um, don't cut back their sprouts, though. That's one thing that's really important if they're new. You want to keep those up, and uh, and just you can put a little bit of mulch around them if you want to. Yeah. But if they're... you want to, if you want to mulch them in case we get a brown a brown Christmas, you know, you can always throw a little mulch on them for the first year. Otherwise, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is an interesting text uh, from Diane, who's in Camsack. Uh, digging out potatoes this weekend, pretty good crop, but potato bugs are still pretty active, both young and old. So she wants to know, will they be there when I plant in the spring? Do I have to plant somewhere else? How do I deal with them now so they don't make it till next year so you, we can have a good crop? So you always rotate your, your, your ground crops no matter what, okay? So you plant at a different location every year if you yep. can in the garden. Uh, what I suggest, and we had a caller talking about that, every, after every second plant or every third plant, plant an onion. Yes, an, right? an, an, an onion an plant. Actual, onion plant. Not just a piece of onion and in the ground. In a small garden, a... do it after every second one. You're going to plant onions anyways, right? Right. So plant them in between your potatoes. He said he when he did that, he got no potato bugs. Yep, they were not Remember there. how we said talk, taking a slice of onion? 
Well, I like the idea way better of planting an onion in between. Exactly. Because now I'm actually growing my onions. I have to grow them somewhere anyways, and they'll keep away the potato bugs. So, Diane, move your crop for next year. Okay. Yeah. Well, is there anything to do with taking care of them now? And you can pick them and kill them, right? Yeah, yeah you can pick them and still kill them right now. Yeah, get rid of them. As much as you as can. As much as you can, because they'll, 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 they'll hibernate in the soil, right? Okay. And uh, so you will have them next year. So, But next year... Do what you can. Either either do the spraying or the best thing to do because it's hard to spray because you got the bees coming around, all that kind of stuff. So uh, plant the onions between. Okay, sounds like a plan for me. Yeah, I think so. Just move the crop yep. onions in between, and you should be good to go. Yep. Keeps yeah, and away. they're hibernating about twenty centimeters under the soil, so it's fairly deep. So it's not even like, oh, if I leave, remove all like the the branches and leaves and everything, I'm going to get rid of them. They're actually mm, in no. the soil. Once they're there, they're, they're there, yeah. right? Yeah. But keeping those uh, that those onions planted will chase them away. They won't mm-hmm. want to be there. They won't want exactly. to be there. So they'll yep. they'll go somewhere else. So they'll just yep. wither away. Right. Okay. Yep. All right. This is from Jace. So good morning, guys. Love the show. My name is Jace calling from Regina. Just wondering, I fertilized my potted chive plant at the start of September, and about a week after that, it most of it turned yellow. <laughs> is it possible that I over-fertilized it or used the wrong type? Will it come back? It looks like it's pretty much done. Or it might be pretty much done. It is has, it done? He said in a container, he said, right? Yeah, Good. yeah. So uh, chive plant, and it's potted. Yeah. So yeah. fertilized it, it went yellow. Uh, is it done? Can it come, Will it come back? What can I do to fix it? Yeah. Um, chives do not like a lot of fertilizer. So that's one thing that you have to watch with chives. They like um, sort of a light organic fertilizer. So using like the alfalfa pellets or using like a, a fish fertilizer or something like that is best. Um, if you're just using a straight... Um, NPK fertilizer, like a miracle Grow, it's not the best one I for chives. I got chives out in the garden in, in the middle of their acreage, and I just planted them, and they just started. They only got over. I never fertilized them, nothing. They just got over. They got they're pretty sandy soil. Yep. And they just got overspray from the sprinklers on the lawn, and they just kept spreading these things. They kept those those are kind of a plant that you don't, uh, you, just, you know, we, we talk about lots yeah. of plants that need yeah, don't nutrients. Need a lot. They don't really need a lot. Don't need a lot. No. They're also a little bit sensitive to pH, so having a consistent pH. So you might have fertilized it and that made the pH go out of whack on your on your chives too, and that's what turned them yellow. So what can you do? Um, well, making sure that your pH is staying around yeah. that, that six, seven, six, six or six, seven. 6.5 to 7, so you may... In, depending on your water and everything else, you may have to add a little bit of aluminum sulfate to the soil. Okay. Most likely with the potted the plant. Yep. yep. Okay. And, uh, and they said very, just use an organic fertilizer. Don't use a 20, 20, 20 or anything like that because that's just too strong of a nitrogen. And just an organic, which is only like one or two nitrogen, three, four in that range. And then, uh, but all your micronutrients for like a vegetable fertilizer has. Yeah. Should he just like take the, the potted plant right now and, and try to flush out everything? Should he over water it right now and kind of get it's, it to drain it's through? It's tricky with the chives because they like to be a little bit on the drier, drier side. side. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's a tricky one. Um, you just sort of will watch it, uh, let it, let it leach through a little Obviously bit. Obviously you have but... to bring it indoors if he has in a pot, right? Right. So he's going to have to bring it indoors because it's not going to survive in that pot for the winter time or he has to plant the chive into the ground. Yeah. And make sure you give it lots of light when you bring it indoors too. Okay. Let's take a quick break. We're going to get back to the rest of the text when we get back from the break. We've got uh, a text about uh, Saskatoon bush from Donna in Saskatoon uh, talking about a bougainvillea with Lynn in North Battleford and many more after that. So stick around. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendijk. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. 
It is the lightning round here on Garden Talk. We've just got a few more texts to get to. Can't believe the show is just about over. Two hours goes by so quick. Really fast. Yeah, it really does. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. Uh, we've got some texts to answer. So here we go. This is Jane. I tried the potato bug trick of working the soil as late as possible. No potato bugs at all this year. So this is, we're talking about potato bugs a little yep. earlier. She <laughs> said she worked in the soil as late as possible, early November, yep. and then there was no potato bugs. Yeah, so she, she disturbed them up to the top, right? Yep. And then they froze up. And then they froze, right? Yep. Pulled them up back up, basically. Yep. We're going to tilt them to the top, right? Yep. So that, that does cut down their numbers. Instead awesome. of being hibernated down, like you said, quite, yep. a, far, quite a far down into the soil yep. where they're protected, yep. bring them up to the top, they freeze. Yep. Okay, cool. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, great. Uh, Donna is in Regina. When can I cut back my mugo, mugo pines? And where on the trees do I cut them? I need to cut about two feet off of each of them. Okay, so you can do it now. Pines are great to do prune right now uh, because they otherwise they'll bleed and if you prune them in the spring. So same with the birches and maples right now. Um, so you only want to prune them. You go pines so you still see green. If you just have sticks and no green anymore, then you it'll take forever for them to come back. Mm, like okay. a lot of years, not just you know months and years. Okay, yeah, so, that's right. So prune them back is what you want, but just make sure you still see green, and and then next year start fertilizing and get them to fill out again. Okay, Kathy's in Duck Lake. Hi guys, we want to cut some larger limbs from the bottom of a linden tree. They're around three inches in diameter. Yep. When can we do this? Uh, we don't want to damage this beautiful tree. Yep. So you can pretty much do it as soon as leaves are starting to turn color pretty soon on the lindens. Uh, so as soon as the leaves turn color, you can do it up until basically the middle of November. And then I usually stop and then I usually will start pruning again in March or the first week of April. All right. Uh, let's see. We've got Tracy and this is a question about pruning snowballs. So that's yep. verbenum, right? Verbenum, yep. So when, when to prune those? When to prune them. Uh, you can prune the snowballs. They'll, they're the same thing as like the hydrangeas where they'll bloom a lot on the, on their old, on their new wood. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you can prune them in again in the fall or the spring. It doesn't matter. Um, just prune them back up basically about a third. Mm-hmm. And then get lots of new growth, and then you get lots of blooms. She also asks or says that she's been battling fire lily bugs uh, since the lilies were planted. Yes. Uh, what can she do to ensure that the eggs are killed? I sprayed several times with ambush and picked them uh, and the eggs, but they always seem to come back. What yeah. can we do to prevent that? Just gonna have to keep on top of it. You have to do spray program about every ten days. Don't hit the flowers, okay? Hit the, but you have to spray the bottom side of the leaves. That's where the beetles are. If you just spray the top of the leaves, you're not gonna do anything. And then doing the same thing, being vigilant about looking underneath the leaves, and you'll see those little clusters of orange eggs, and just picking those off. Okay. All right. Uh, Colin, who's in Manor, Saskatchewan, says or asks uh, that he's just wondering if, if he understood correctly that when we said that when we add pine mulch to soils, it can actually bring the pH down a little bit. Yes. Yeah, that's true, that's right? Yep. It's not going to lower it drastically. Nope. Uh, it just, and it will take time as things break down, that but sort your, of thing, but right? Your garden will do way better if you get your pH to neutral, okay? Around, which is around seven. Right. Okay, so, so that pine mulch will help with that. Yep, it'll exactly. help with that, but the biggest thing it'll do is it'll just basically make it so that your garden get, doesn't get so hard. Okay. Right? Uh, George in Saskatoon, can I still apply fall, learn, fall lawn fertilizer? And is it important to water it in, or do you just leave it in on top? No, water it water in. Water it in. Water it in. Okay. Water it in. 
And we like using the groundskeeper one. It's yeah. the same one that you use all the time. It's the same it's, formula. It's, it's, you can use it for spring, summer, and fall. You don't have to get all different types of fertilizer. So if you have some leftover, you can use it in the summer, or some leftover you can use it in the fall. That's what I like about the groundskeeper fertilizer. Are you putting it in, in on the fall, though, so that you can you water it in? Is the idea to water it in to keep the lawn green? Because don't you want yep. it to, do you want the lawn to shut down? Or, yep. or does well, it, can it go into, it, into the What will happen is it also strengthens the roots. Okay. okay. Yeah, especially in the fall, they got the one that has a bit of phosphorus in it. If you have a little weak lawn, the phosphorus will help strengthen the roots, so the roots go down, and then get them ready for next spring. And I'm also because I always get snow mold on my front lawn. I'm going to do a sulfur spray this year. Yep, there you go. A sulfur spray, okay. Yep. If yeah. you get snow mold, to put a, a, a sulfur spray or even a copper sulfate is even better, and um, uh, then or. Uh, a Bordeaux. Bordeaux, what the other name for it. Is there any problem, though, with a lawn going into the cold stuff with that's still green, though? Is that okay? No, yeah. As, as long as you get a good snow cover over it. lawn is pretty tough, you know. It, it, it's not like a, a tree or shrub where if you go green and it goes, the lawn can take it a bit better. So so that's okay if it's quite green and then it yeah. goes into the, yeah. into the snow that way. Yeah. Okay. Because one thing nice about grass is that as soon as the snow does come, mm-hmm. it's covered. All right. Uh, this is Bonnie, who's in Saskatoon. It says, I haven't had success with bringing in my uh, dahlia tubers. How should I prep them, store them for winter? Well, there's a few ways. You can bring them in and keep them in the pot that they're in if you have enough space for that. Um, otherwise, what I would do is if you haven't had success with storing them, you might want to bring them in and let the stalks or the leaves die back down into the bulb first and then cut them and store them. And I usually store them in either some um, cocoa core or some sawdust and in an open crate or a paper bag. Um, don't put them in a plastic bag. You put a plastic bag, then you have to perforate it like lots. Yeah, there's also some bulb dust that you can get, which is just almost like a sulfur powder that you can put on your bulbs and that will help them from rotting and keeping them nice and firm for you. And last text we can get on the air here from Laura in Saskatoon. I have several orchids in the house. I'm finding that there's a fine cobwebs on them today while watering them. Don't think they were there last year, last week. Wondering what I should be doing or concerned about. If you think the fine cobwebs um, might be a spider mite instead of of just a regular house spider, you can use Endol on them, um, which is just uh, insecticide soap with pyrethrin and um, canola oil in there and just do a nice spray on them and then do the, repeat that in 10 days. Just don't hit the flowers. Don't hit the flowers. And my my orchid is like... Yeah, you're the orchid king now. It's coming back again. Like Amazing. the new brack is growing up and it's going to split double off yep. in two sections. I don't know why. It just seems to do that. You, you almost seem to get a bloom nonstop. It, it never stops. It's never stopped blooming. It's amazing. You have a perfect spot for it. I don't it. know. I guess so. And what do you? How do you fertilizing it again? Just that liquid orchid food. Or, orchid fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Every time I water it, every bright, time and bright light all year round. It lives on the coffee table on a glass coffee table yep. in a south facing window. So not right in the window, yep, but, but in the bright. But lots of bright. But light. then and then the glass probably reflects from the bottom. Keeps it up nice and warm too. Right? Yeah. Okay, there you go. I don't know it just keeps going. Thanks for listening today. Uh, we're going to take. Uh, of course, uh, we got to wrap up the show because this is the end. But if you didn't get your text on the air, we'll we'll text you back off the air. Thanks again. We'll see you same time, same place next weekend. Yes. Enjoy I'm, the fall color. Yeah. yeah so get out beautiful. there and take a look at all these fall colors. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. Thanks for listening to Garden talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.